How many people have been enjoying what Pastor Mike's been preaching on the last few Sundays? Fantastic. And the morning's been talking about shame. And uh, through the Sunday evenings, he's been talking on, um, uh, on the making of a king, talking about King David. And uh, tonight, I just sort of want to keep on that, uh, keep on that theme. Uh, but tonight, I really want to rattle your cage tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sort of the response I was expecting, too. <laughs> so who wants their cage to be rattled? Well, not mine. <laughs> And uh, so I just want to talk about uh, a little bit about King David. And uh, you all know that Pastor Mike mentioned last week that, um, uh, that, that David was not the only giant slayer, that there was men after him that followed him and also slew giants. And uh, tonight I, want to, I just want to put something in your heart that will just rattle you out of where you are, that will rattle me out of where I am, and uh, we all can all be rattled together. And, and uh, maybe tonight we'll get challenged and, and uh, Hastings will be a better place. Amen. Come on, let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Father, we thank you for your word that's coming to us tonight. God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us, God, tonight. Father, show us in our lives where places that we need to change. Father, places where we need to grow. Father, we pray that tonight you would speak to every one of us. And Lord, open up our our hearts and open up our ears that we would respond to your word tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Hey, why don't you turn in your Bibles to chat? 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let me know when you got it. You got it? Fantastic. Wow. Here we go. This is a fantastic story. Verse, in verse 21, in verse 21, it says, And David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adalim. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And all of those who were in distress, uh, who were in debt, uh, who were dis- discontented, they gathered around him and he became their leader. And there's about 400 men with him. You've got to understand at this time that, uh, that David is, is not at one of the high points of his life. He, he is a, uh, he's got sort of, I mean, he's had a massive victory against Goliath. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's seen some amazing things. He'd be... Uh, uh, but he'd been pursued by Saul, and uh, he was not at a high point of his life. In fact, he got to a point where there, there really was nowhere else where he could go. So he went to the, uh, the Bible says, at the cave of Adullam. Now, the word Adullam, uh, actually, I, I looked up at the concordance, and really it has no meaning. But uh, the, word actually, the word cave uh, symbolizes all through the Bible a place of, uh, place of hiding, a place of fear, and a place of intimidation. And uh, yes, David was brave. Yes, David was brave when he faced Goliath, and, and uh, yes, David had, had faith in his heart, but there were times when he felt fear. And uh, all, the, all through the Psalms, you, you can read about where, where he experienced things. Uh, there was not high points. He, he experienced um, uh, disappointment. He experienced rejection. He experienced fear. And there was a point here where he comes to the cave of Adalim because there was nowhere else for him to go. Yes, he had been anointing king. Yes, he had been prophesied over. Yes, you're, you're going to be king one day. But there, there was a, uh, he, he was at a place where he was, uh, he was hiding. There he was nowhere else he could go. The Bible says that his brothers and his family also came and gathered around him. And uh, well, you can see there a change in, the, change in the heart of his brothers where back when he was a little shepherd boy, back when he was before he slew Goliath, he, his older brothers would look at him and say, hey, man, what are you doing here on the battlefield? Shouldn't you be at home? Shouldn't you be back home looking after this and looking after the sheep? And uh, who do you think you are, little man? Next thing you know, uh, the, the hearts of his brothers are turned, and now his brothers and his family are, are with him in this, in, in this place of, 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 of confinement, of this place of, of a cave. 
The Bible says not only was that, but it was also a place where those who were distressed, those who were in debt, those who were discouraged, those who were, those people in life that, whose, whose lives are just messed up, man. Lives are just messed up. And everywhere you look, even in this church today, uh, I mean, you could look around every Sunday morning and you could look at, uh, if you could just have a look at the past, where, where people have come from and, and maybe where some people are today, you could see that some of their lives have been either in debt or distressed or discouraged. And, uh, and you may be here right now and you may look, look back at your life and think, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been through some of that place, but man, God has some, done something powerful in my life. But maybe you're here in this place right now where there are, you know, you are in debt. You are in a down place of your life. And uh, the Bible says that David, all these people came to gather around David. There was nowhere else to go. They were the rejects of society. They were broken inside. There, were, uh, uh, there, was, no, uh, there was no restoration courses. There was no um, head doctors. There was nothing. There was, no, um, there was no government dole or anything like that. There was nowhere else for them to go. The only hope they thought of was, was find David because he's... Uh, uh, there must be something about his life. If we just associate ourselves, if we just connect in our hearts with David, maybe something will go. You, and they found him in the place of a cave. And so the Bible says that they were, they were gathered together. And, and so David, even in the place of, a, of, of this cave, still in his heart, managed there was still something of faith inside of his heart. So in the Bible talks about, it says here, and, and he became their leader. He wasn't just the leader. You've got to understand at this period of time during where they stayed in this cave, it wasn't just a big powwow time, I don't believe. I believe that during this time, David would have every day got up to them and spoken to their hearts. Yes, well, I'm in a cave. Yes, right now it doesn't look good. But I tell you, God has got something for your life. Yes, you may be in debt. Yes, you may be abused. Yes, you may be rejected. Yes, you may be this. Uh, may, maybe you're a pooch mouth for some reason. But I can tell you right now, God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. Even though well, together we're in a cave, God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. And even though you're, you're, you may be down inside, I'm going to show you some keys of how you can get out. So every day, David would have preached to them. David would have, one of the things he would have done, he, he would have taught them to live. He would have taught them how to, um, how to live and how to, how to get faith around their lives, how to start to take control and dominion over their emotions and start to rule, them, rule their own soul. Every day he would have spoke, there is greatness inside of you. God, there is greatness inside. God has got plans and purposes for our life. I know that God's going to do something. And every day, every day he would have preached the word of God. Every day he would have spoken into their lives, looked into their eyes and I believe in you, man. I believe in you. I believe in you. I, got, I can see faith inside of your heart. So every day they would have listened to the words of David. Listen to the word of David. David began to lead them. David, I believe, would have prayed for them. David would have ministered to them. David would have laid hands on them. David probably would have done all these different things. And they were still in the cave. They were still in the cave. You know, many people in the church today, it's like, yes, we come and we, uh, we've come from a place of distress. We've come from a place of debt. Yes, we've come from a place where, um, uh, I don't know, maybe a messy part in our lives, maybe a place of abuse. And every day or most weeks we come to church and we listen to a message from Pastor Mike or, or whoever's preaching saying, hey man, there's greatness inside of you. There's destiny inside of you. Yes, I know you, how you, you may be messed up, but here's some keys of how you can get rid of some of the stuff in your life. But yet we're still in the cave. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the church triumphant, yes, but we're still, we'll come out of a place of, of confinement, but we're still in a cave. Many of us, I believe, today are still in that cave. And it goes on to talk, and let's just turn over to the, um, to the next, uh, next, next chapter, in chapter 23, verse 1. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1, it says, When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they're looting the threshing floors. So you've got to understand that one day David hears this word, and, uh, uh, you know, somebody who's still in the cave, and his men were still in the cave, and they were, I don't know what they would have doing, man. Maybe they're cooking some hog on a roast or something like that. Uh, but in the word, someone came and said to Dave, 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 Dave. We know that you've had Goliath. We know you've got victory over Goliath. But man, there's a city, there's a town down the road, and the Philistines are attacking this strategic part. There's a, and the people of the city, do not know, they don't know what to do. They're about to get annihilated by the Philistine army. Please, would you come and help us? We don't know who to turn to. We don't know if we turn to Saul. We don't know who to turn to. But David, we know that you've experienced victory in your life. David, would you come and would you help us? You've got to understand, folks, and it's like you only have to look in the newspapers to see right now that there is a, uh, there, there's something that's got a hold of our community right now that is, that, that is attacking strategic parts of our community. You only have to read in the paper last week the amount of teachers in schools right now that are getting hit and getting abused and getting spat at by little wee kids. We read in the papers every day that there's a, there's a drug problem going on here and there's a drug problem going on there. Every now and again, you'll read in the paper about this. Someone such and such has died, and uh, there is police aren't looking for anyone. But basically, what they're saying is just another suicide. Everywhere we look today, there's people getting robbed by a Philistine army. Not a natural Philistine army that we can see, but a, something has come against our city. Something has come against our nation. Everywhere you look, and if you can't see it, I mean, you, make, you must be living in the cookie land. Every day, every day you see something. Every paper that you get out, everything, the, the, it, it's, it's in our schools, man, it's in, it's in everywhere. Friend, when I was in, um, when I was a, uh, I, was, I was 12, and I was in intermediate school, man, I remember kids back then, my friends at school were having sex with each other right then. It's a 12. That was how many years ago, Doug? And here we are right now, man, it's the church, is. You know, different ones in the church. Man, we have, you know, some of you have got the taste of victory in your mouth already. Some of you have, have, have got victory over, over rejection. You've got victory over abuse. And right now, there's a, there's a city outside our doors that's looking and saying, hey, man, we need somebody to rescue us. We don't know who can rescue us. We don't know who can save us. We don't know how to get rid of this problem in the school. We don't know how to get rid of this problem in the community. We don't, but, but who do we turn to? Friends, I tell you what, the only, answer, the, only, the only answer that can bring a solution to this problem is Jesus Christ. All the government departments in the, in the world will not be able to find a solution for what the real core of the problem of our community is. As much as they can try and try and try and try, it's just not going to work. The only answer is Jesus Christ. That is the only way. And friends, the only way that one of the, one of the main ways that Jesus Christ will touch our city and touch our community is through, and I, through you and I, his church. Yes, he can come and do it sovereignly, but yes, he wants to use you. He wants to use, you are the one, you are the ambassador that he has placed. You are the one that he has anointed to, to, to minister to the students in your school. You are the one that God has put of his spirit and to, to, to speak through into the community. Man, I was so proud of... Um, of, uh, of Charlotte the other day. Where are you, Charlotte? I can't see you. Uh, unbelievable, man. You put on a, Charlotte put on a, an event at school and some of the girls there, man, they had 60 girls turn up into their lunchtime event. Was it about 60 girls? Oh, amazing. See, God has put a voice inside of it. Come on, give her a hand. She's a brave girl. 
Man, Charlotte's come through a plate from a place of wanting to marry me to uh, <laughs> she's walked through a number of things and now she's got to a place where she's standing in her school and starting to bring a, a, be a voice of hope. Fantastic. That is how God intended it to work. God has put a spirit inside of you for you to be able to speak and to communicate to the, to the, to the community. So the word comes to David and, and, and this guy comes to say, David, we need your help, man. We need your help. We need you to come and help us with the situation with the Philistines. And so David, uh, so David's, so David said, uh, uh, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, "Lord, shall, we go, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Shall I, shall I go out into our community? Shall I go out into Hastings? Shall I go out into the streets of Napier? Shall I go out into the schools? Shall I go out into the neighbourhood? Shall I go into every government department? Shall I get out into the community and bring about a victory?" And the answer was obviously yes. <laughs> You ask the same question today, God, do you want me to go into here? He will say yes. It's always been the plan and the purpose of God for you. It was the, it was the last commandment that he gave us, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And so he says, and so David comes back and he's heard the word from God and he says, yes, you're gonna, you go and get him, man. You're going to have victory. You will do well. It'll be okay, man. You will win. And so David comes back to his men, comes back to, come back to the men in the, cage, in the cave and says, guys, Guys, we've been in here in the cave long enough. I've imparted into you enough. Right now we have a situation. Right now we have a, a city that is in need. We've been in this cave a little bit too long. I've spoken words of faith into you. I've spoken, I've ministered to you. I've, I've prayed for you. I've believed for you. I've, 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 I've been here for you. I've spoken hope into your life. Now, it's time. There's a place down the road that needs our help. Guys, it's time to soldier up. Guys, it's time to leave aside, put aside what's the baggage that's been upon your life. It's time to put aside the past. It's time to put that past, what's you, what you've been through. It, it's, it's in the past, man. It's time to soldier up. It's time to soldier up. You know, and I believe right now that you know, that, that God is speaking to the church saying, it's time to soldier up. Yes, we are a church family. Yes, yes. We, we, have, a, we have a family face to us, but there is also a, a, an army face to the side of the church as well. And I believe that we're coming into a time that's got to, we've got to start to show the army face a little bit more. It's time to soldier up. For some of you people, it's been, you know, we've lived in our cave for way too long. We've lived in our past. We've lived in our our, our, our circumstance for way too long. And so David said, we're going to go out and do it. It's time to soldier up. And so, uh, but you'll listen to the response of the people here. It says, uh, but David's men said to him, here in Judah, we, have, we are afraid. Even here in church, man, we're afraid. Here in the presence of the Lord, we're tr- man, we're too scared to even put our hands up and praise. We're even too scared to shout out loud. Man, I can't even speak to my cat about Jesus. If I can't even preach to my cat, how am I going to speak to my school? Man, if I, if I can't even face my own little fears and my own financial struggles, how are we going to face out there? How are we going to get victory out there? Here in Judah, what if we're afraid right now, how are we going to respond? I mean, man, there is no way we're going, to get, we're going to cope against the Philistines. You've got to understand it. So what happened is that they've come from a stage of, of, of scatteredness. They've come from a stage of, of, of being all individually broken. And then they'd come together to a place of, of, uh, of some sort of unity. At least they were together. 
But the problem is they've been in the cave, and they've been into a cave a little bit too long. And, you know, I guess all of us, to a point, have to go through that cave experience where there's a, where there's a time of, of, of the word getting preached. There's a time of, of ministry. There's a time of, of just coming together and starting to come together again and stopping by ourselves. There's a time when we start to come together. But there's a time where you actually got to start to get out and start to infect the community. And the thing is, it's like these guys had come to a place from uh, that, that, that come from a place of, of, of disappointment and discouragement and abuse, and now at least they were on their feet again. They'd come to the point where they were individually broken, now they were in a place where they were together. At least they had a place where they could come every week, come every day, we could sing songs and we could get prayed for, minister to, and all this sort of stuff. But if we stay in this environment, uh, if we stay uh, too much. Over this way, you will start to get uh, discontented. And see, what happens is they start to make excuses. We are afraid. We are afraid. We've been sitting here for a while, and we're starting to enjoy it. We enjoy coming to church, man. It's great to have somebody just uh, come together and sing songs and, and, uh, and, uh, and clap our hands and have somebody pray for us and speak powerful words over us. Man, people start to enjoy that after a while. But after a while, if, you, if there's no output, if there's no, if there's no flow through, what happens is something wrong. Starts, everything starts to go out of balance. So these guys started, started saying here, man, uh, when they heard David say, uh, guys, we're going to go up, I'm going to start to infect the community, they started to, all of a sudden it's like, well, it's starting to rock my world a bit. I mean, I've, I've just started to, to enjoy the, the presence of God, man. I've just started to enjoy the, the words. I've just started to enjoy the ministry. And now uh, you, you're, you're asking me to get out and, and, and actually do something. Friends, that have been sitting there a little bit too long. Uh, one of them says, man, I, I wanna, David, you want us to go out and fight? You want, you, want us to go, you want me to stand up in my school? You want me to stand up in the council? Do you want me to stand up in, in government departments? Man, that's, yeah, that sounds a little too intense for me, man. I'm quite happy just coming to church and just hanging them out with my peeps. At least here we're, we're okay. If I go out there, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And so David, he hears these words and I think, God, did I hear you right? God, did I hear you right? And um, But the thing is, it's like I believe during that time, David would have spoke words of faith into them. They would have had an element of faith inside of their life. They would have had an element of the presence of God inside of their lives. But when when push comes to shove, they couldn't bring it out. They would have spoke, I believe, of words. They would have spoke all the right words. But when it came to actually stand up, when they needed to stand up, they go. What I believe it was... What happens is when we sit in church for too long and we have so much input and not enough output, if there's no output at all, basically you're spiritually unemployed. And tonight I just want to rattle your cage a little bit about spiritual unemployment. Faith without works is dead. See, friends, these guys would have heard the message of David. They would have heard that, that David would have, that minute they would have asked David, David, what was it, what is it like when you face Goliath? Tell us, tell us, run us through, man, oh man, that was a great victory. Love to hear the sound of victory. David preached in faith and prayed for them. They had an element of faith inside of their lives. But when it actually came time to outwork that faith, ah, yeah, that sounds a little scary for me. 
Faith without works is dead. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. In verse 14 it says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Or in other words, there's no outworking. Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. And one of you says to him, hey man, I speak food of your lives right now in Jesus' name. I speak clothes upon your body right now in Jesus' name. And it's all very well to say that. But what the guy really needs is food and clothes. You can have all the faith, you can speak as much as you like to that person without food or clothes. But unless you actually tap into your wallet, take them down to the shop and buy them something, the faith is dead. All good intentions, yeah. There's actually no outworking of it. It's just a faith without any words. It's just mere words coming out of a person's mouth. It's all very well to, to, to speak and declare stuff over our, our community. It's all very well to, to speak and declare salvation over our schools. But unless you actually go up and stand in your school and say, I'm going to take responsibility for the place that I'm in, nothing's going to happen. Somewhere, somewhere, down the, somewhere down the line, somebody's got to stand up. If, if you can speak and you can pray and you can have all the faith you like in this room, but out that door when you get into your place of work, where's all that powerful faith that you got? Man, I was just challenged by, by David Hogan and, uh, and some of the things he talks about. And uh, man, I was just felt like, so just, man, I just got, I just really need to grow in this area. You know, we get so used to speaking and, and doing all this brave stuff here in church. But all of a sudden, man, when you get out to where it really counts, it's just... <laughs> yeah, all talk. But I believe that tonight God wants to challenge us. God wants to shake our cage, not so we're brave and got the faith in the place here, but that you have faith out to the community, that you actually have faith, that your faith that you profess has an outworking. Man, and I was just so, man, I was challenged by what Charlotte did. I said, 60 people stand up in this, 60 people turn up to it. That is, that is fantastic, man. That is, that is faith with works. Because I've heard her pray for her school. I've heard her stand and speak salvation. I speak all these things. But at the same time, she's actually standing up and doing something about it. Faith without works is dead. So, so in the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by an action, is dead. And in verse, in verse um, 26, it says, uh, as the body without a spirit is dead, so is faith without deeds. Faith without works. I mean, you can have a, a human body there, it's still a body, but a, if, there's actually, if it's not moving, then it's, then it's dead. We, we, we can come to church and, and worship Jesus and, and soak in his presence, but if we're not moving with that, it's it's dead. We can speak and declare all we like, but it's dead. Whoa. Spiritual unemployment. Faith without works. What is spiritual unemployment? Spiritual unemployment, I believe, is very, very similar. I mean, if you look at our community right now, look how many people that are on the benefit. Heaps and heaps of people. And I'm not against the benefit. I think if there's people out there that are genuinely in need, absolutely. 
more than happy to help them. You know, some of the older people, some of the older guys that, you know, really got damaged in the war and whatnot, man, give them what help they need. People that are genuinely sick, man, let's, let's care for them. But what happens is we get into a welfare mentality all across the nation. And the funny thing is that the same thing's also in the church. People may have jobs, but actually they're spiritually unemployed. Faith without works. If you have faith but there's no action, you're spiritually unemployed. Spiritual unemployment, I believe, it's, I've just written some things down. There's probably so much to it, but I've got four things. Spiritual unemployment, living off somebody else's overflow. If consistently, if you have no spirit life of your own, if you cannot get anything out of the word for yourself, if every day you have somebody, I mean, if you have to have, every week you have to come up on the altar call and have somebody lay hands on you, yeah, it's, there's a time there where we can, there is a grace to, to, to give to people that, that need giving. But if there's no reaching out to God for yourself, you, know, you just, you start to become on the spiritual doll. Yeah? Mm. The Bible says that David had to strengthen himself in the Lord. Yes, there is a time where we've got to have hands laid upon us. Yes, there is a time where we need somebody to stand with us in prayer, somebody to, to believe with us. But there's got to come a time where you've got to tap into God for yourself. There's got to come a time where you've got to read the Bible for yourself, where you've got to pray, where you've got to believe God for a breakthrough yourself. There's got to be a time where you've got to uh, not just suck off the overflow of somebody else, but actually go from that transition to standing on your own two feet. If you don't do that, you'll be spiritually unemployed. Mm. We've all had to make that decision. If somebody um, is spiritually unemployed, I believe what happens is also they become irresponsible. There's a lack of responsibility in their lives. They just don't really care about nothing. They say they do, but actually, when push comes to shove, when you, eat, when you need somebody to mow the lawns, when you need somebody to, to, to work and carry an area, to carry a, a, a part of the church, oh, yeah, yeah. When somebody's spiritually unemployed, man, they're living off the fat of the land. So many people in the community today, you know, financially, economically, they're living off somebody else's overflow. Is it doing them any good? It'll help them for a little while. But when somebody's on the dole for too long, it wrecks them. What happens when somebody's on the dole for too long? They become lazy. They become irresponsible. Something inside of their heart just closes down. You try and get them to work again, and they go. And in the church, unfortunately, in so many places, that's the same. Come to Sunday, get our spiritual dole check, Go home. And wonder why our lives are a mess. They come out the next Sunday, God, pastor, pray for me, my life's a mess. Huh. Have you actually taken any responsibility for your life? No. Ah. We're going to start cutting down the wage a little bit. <laughs> spiritual unemployment. To be spiritually unemployment, to be spiritually unemployed, is as bad, or I believe even worse, as economic unemployment. Why? Because spiritual unemployment leads to a lack of spiritual maturity and productivity. In other words, if you are not spiritually, if you are spiritually unemployed, there will be no fruit upon your life. All you'll be doing is living from day to day, week to week, on somebody else's overflow. 
Whereas somebody who is, who is spiritually employed, they're carrying responsibility in the kingdom. There'll be substance, there'll be fruit around their lives. The Bible talks about the lack of fruit. When somebody has lack of fruit in, in, in John 15, it talks... Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Unless you abide in me, you shall bear no fruit. Unless you are connected to me, you shall bear no fruit. And those branches that do not bear fruit, they will be cut off and put into the fire. At some stage, you'll come to a time in your life where you have to stand before God and give an account of your life. But God, you don't know how abused I was. You don't know how this, you don't know how that, you don't know how this. You don't know how much disappointment I faced in my life, Lord. That you carried, were you, were you responsible for what I gave you? Spiritual of, of unemployment, I believe, also leads to a lack of spiritual maturity and productivity. It also believes, I believe, leads to idle hands. If you look at somebody who's been on the dole for too long, you look at what happens during their day. Actually, they get themselves into trouble because they get bored. If they're not working, they'll get themselves into trouble. If you are spiritually unemployed, if you do not have an area of responsibility in the spirit, I believe there'll be a time when you'll be into trouble. Why? Because you have idle hands. It's just a simple, uh, man, this is just simple science. You don't have to look very far to see it. If it's happening in the community, it's happening here. Hmm. <laughs> Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, and it, say, it says, warn those that are idle. Warn those people that are spiritually unemployment, uh, spiritually unemployed. Warn those people because what will happen is it'll come to judgment day and there'll be no fruit upon their life. Young people, you don't have to put off taking up responsibility. You don't have to put off that saying because I'm saying I'm too young or I'm too this or I'm too young. Man, that's a that's an excuse. See, God has got something in your heart right now. You know, back in the heydays, man, there were people young as 12 that would manage and run ships that would lead a whole army into war. Some of you are just not even responsible for your own bedroom. Ain't no way you're going to win your school like that, man. Something God spoke to me about, you know, you know, got dreams of, of doing well financially. Because, Dave, you're not going to do really well financially until you start taking responsibility for your own finances. It's just like, man, if you want to do well financially out here, you've got to actually action something over here. For some of you, you've got, a, you've got dreams inside of your heart about being used powerfully by God in many different ways. And there's no way that's going to happen if you're not responsible here with the faithful things, that you, the little things that you've been given. Yeah, it's hard, eh? <laughs> But friend, it's the bottom line, man. It's the bottom line. Many of the, minister, many of the ministers here, Ian and, and Lynn and Doug and different ones, one of the main reasons they have what they have, and Anna, it's because they've been responsible for what God has given them. Through high water, through low water, man, they've carried it. And now God's entrusted them with more and more and more and more. And now we're starting to see greatness starting to emerge out of their lives. Spiritual unemployment also leads, leads, I believe, to deception. I think the reason, one of the reasons why a lot of people get deceived and, and, and they walk with Christ and get disillusioned about church and this and that and the other thing, get all discouraged and pooch mouth about this and that and the other. One simple reason, I believe, 
a major reason is they're spiritually unemployed. They're actually just not carrying responsibility in the church. I think even in the community, when you look around, people jump up and down in the community. So this is not right, that's not right, this is not right. How many of them actually take some responsibility somewhere? They whinge and whine that things aren't going their way. Come on, man. If it's happening out there, it's happening here in the church. And all of us, at some point, have got to get a job spiritually. Somewhere, somewhere along, along the lines, you and I have got to actually stand up and start to be responsible for what's going on here. Friend, the reason you are here right now, the Bible says in Titus 1.5, it says, the reason I have put you here that you would, that you would, you, you would, you would finish what is left unfinished, that you would build something, that you would establish something in this place. The reason that you're in Hastings, the reason you're in this church, the reason you're in the school and the job you are is not primarily for finance. It is because God has put you there because he wants to work something through you. And if you're not taking responsibility for that, become spiritually unemployed. So with maturity, I believe, comes responsibility. If you want to spiritually mature, if you want to grow in God, if you want to start to carry weight, if you want to become somebody of stature and, 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 and of spiritual strength, friend, you've got to start taking responsibility. One of the first places you can start young people is your bedroom. Other people, you can start with your finances. Other people, you can start praying for yourself. Start actually getting a prayer life. Start actually getting a word life. For some people, it's about starting to take up a responsibility. Hey, let me, let me carry this part of the church for you, for you, Pastor Mike. I want to serve here. As long as it takes, man, I'm, I'm happy to serve and carry. Be responsible for this thing. Hmm. With maturity comes responsibility. You want to grow as a Christian? You want to go as, grow in God? Then you've got to start becoming responsible for some things. It's bottom line, man. You want to see this church grow? Oh, yeah, God, grow, give a thousand people. Yeah, yeah. You've got to start coming responsible here. Simple keys. Coming to church on time. If, there's a le- if you're a leader and there's a leaders meeting on, don't just turn up at the last minute. Be responsible. Phone in during the week and say, oh, I'll be there. Mm. <laughs> that didn't go down too good, did it, Doug? <laughs> We've got to start taking responsibility for where you, your own life. You've actually got to start to take responsibility for the community that you live in. This is our house. This is our church. Not, Pastor, not just Pastor Mike's. It's ours. It belongs to all of us. We've got to be responsible for the growth and the building of it. It's our community. Our community. It's our school. It's, it's ours, and if it's ours, we start to take responsibility for it. You'll start to have, you'll start to grow. You'll start to get a, uh, you'll start to have authority over that thing. So somewhere in the lives of these men, they had to shift from shift from being uh, 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 people that have been abused and, and and in debt and all this sort of stuff. They had to shift in their hearts from there to actually start to become responsible for something. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go and turn back to, uh, let's to quickly turn back to uh, 1 Samuel again. It's not the end of the story. Really quickly, I'm going to finish up. So David heard these guys, heard the, the whinging and the whining and this and that, and carried on. He said, maybe I've misheard God, maybe I misheard you. Maybe I didn't hear you right. So David goes back to God and says, God, if I chase these Philistines, will you give them to me? And God looked at it, God the word of God came back and he said, he said, uh, 
Uh, go down to Kila. Go into the community. Get out into your school. Get into your place of work. Get out into your community. Get out into the park. Get out in the streets. Get out wherever you can. Find what's destroying our, our, our community and, and bring a victory into that place. Get involved in your community. Get involved in a cell group. Don't just get involved, but take a cell group. Don't just come to church. Be the church. Don't just come and suck something. Go and take responsibility for the community that you live in and make a difference in it. That's the bottom line. It says, go and down to Kedah because I will give the Philistines into your hand. Yes, you may be afraid, but I will give the Philistines in your hand. Yes, you may struggle with fear. Yes, it's a great thing. You'll still win. And so David comes back to these guys and starts saying, guys, I've heard the word from the Lord. Go down and save. Go out to our community and win it. Go out and take responsibility. Get out into the place and start to be the people that you and I have been called to be. The Bible says that... Uh, that they went down, and David and his men went down to Keilah, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. If you're not going to, I mean, you can just read those words, but, but you've got to understand something really powerful just happened just there. Something shifted in their lives. There was something significant that just literally just turned the clock a little bit on their lives. They went from a place of being in a cave. Can I just have the band up? They went from a place to being in a cave. They went from a, from a level of uh, uh, from being out here and all scattered, and then they came to David in a place of cave. They had, they had a place, that, you know, they had, they had ministry, they, they, and then they were, but they were still in a cave. And when they responded to God, when they responded to, their, to, to David, when they got out into their community, they discovered what they had inside of them. All of a sudden, there was something came alive inside of them. Friends, they could have just sat in their butts and said, no, we're not doing this, and we would have never heard from them again. But something inside of them took off to a new level. For some of them, where they had experienced defeat and abuse inside of their lives, they were still afraid, but then when they decided to step out of the boat and give it everything they've got, they found they had something. They had victory in their bones. They, what they had, what they got, when they, when they got ministered to by David, it wasn't just something just, I don't know, just some sort of thing that happened. There was an impartation. There was an impartation of faith into their lives when they were in the cave. But their faith was dead until it was put into action. For in the day they stepped out and marched and faced Phyllis, the Philistines, something inside of them, that faith started to come alive. That faith started to activate. And all of a sudden, they discovered something in them. And out of that group of 400 was birthed the mighty men. See, in that place of, in this band of disappointed people, there were the mighty men inside of that. They just haven't discovered that they were mighty men yet until they took up responsibility, until they decided to step out and soldier up and say, man, we're going to go and do this thing. We're going to break through fear. Friend, for some of you, every week you come and have hands laid upon you. There is already a faith inside of your life. There's already something there that just needs to be activated. You know, later on in the Bible, it talks about that the, um, you know, it talks about three mighty men, uh, Ben and I. He stood in a, 
uh, he stood in the pit against a, you know, took on a giant and took on a lion and took on a bear. And there was, a, there was another guy that stood in the middle of, of six or eight hundred people and, 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 and slew the lot. Did he even discover that? Did he even know he had that in him until he actually got out and did it? I wonder what mighty man, I wonder what mighty woman is sitting in this place right now. It's a faith inside of your heart. God has put something in there. You're just sitting in the cave. You're spiritually unemployed. Tonight I believe all of us, including myself, have a choice. Whether you stay in the spiritual dog, you sit in the cave and whinge and whine about how bad things are, how disappointed things are, how abused you've been, how scared you are. Or you can respond to what I believe God's calling to the church right now, to stand up, arise, and engage the marketplace. I wonder what mighty one man and woman lie in this place tonight. Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your heads?